part of the Press Play Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Ball Card Show. This is the sports podcast. For the sports collector. I'm Jason Otero. And I'm Gary Lamaster. And as always, we are brought to you by the Press Play Podcast Network. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All righty. All right. All right. Let's jump in. Hard transition with the song once again. I was okay. It's all right. Nobody heard that. (laughs) We'll work on it a little bit more. We are the co-hosts and the producers of this show. All by ourselves. And and I think most people would probably feel pretty justified to say that we're not that great at either one of those tasks. Well, so, but hey, we're still here every single week. Well, I read a statistic that like 97 or 98% of podcasts only go like five or six episodes. So we are in the top two to three three percent of podcasts on the planet you put a couple of narcissists in a basement give them microphones they're (laughs) gonna talk talk. yeah (laughs) absolutely uh we started out on the right foot here uh we both came bearing gifts for each other we did um i'm actually you know i was all excited because i was like i never he always buys stuff for me i never get something i'm gonna get gary something and uh Picked him up a card, and then he comes showing up. It's with a very a, cool card with a sick Bowman snapback hat. For yeah, him. yeah. Nice. We, uh, I, I'm wearing the matching one myself. We'll be, we'll be uh, chunky twinsies. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> I am. And I'm, I'm also sizest. speaking for you. <laughs> and you got me a really cool Brian Rocchio uh, auto, a rookie auto. Well, let's not uh, overdo it. It's not real cool because it's, it it's not. It's not licensed, licensed but, but it'll still go straight to the PC. Yep. And I like Rokio, so you liked him. I didn't, and so for that reason, I just snagged it for you in a sale. <laughs> um, we got a little bit to cover here. A little bit of news. I don't know if everyone has heard or seen, but in a dumpster in Vegas. Yep. We had hundreds, if not thousands of licensed panini products just waiting on aiden o'connell's signature including the one of one shield yeah uh just found in a dumpster all right so here's so we'll get into the theories on this but you are walking out to your apartment complex yeah not likely where that was but let's just say you were you're throwing away the trash and you see that in there if i see some card boxes because these were just like one row yeah yeah 500 count boxes. Yes, yeah. but you're you're seeing those in there. Yeah. You pull them out of there. You see what it is. What are you doing? Taking them straight home and, and listing them on eBay. How? Okay. What are you listing these as? Because listing if, them if, you don't, if you didn't hear it, so uh, Aiden O'Connell gets a bunch of cards. They're all paninis, you know, all the licensed stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, this, this is how these, these companies do this now. It used to be that they would fly a representative out and the representative would watch the player sign everything. And the cards still say that that's what's happening, but it's not what's happening. During COVID, they just started shipping off the cards or sheets of stickers, and then the players would ship them back, which has led to what you see on a regular basis, which is friends and family members doing a lot of the signing. You can tell the signatures don't match. Um, Panini, Tops still guarantee the authenticity i air quoted that you couldn't see it uh, uh the authenticity of the signatures but it's quite like it's a very well known fact that like luka Doncic, half of his rookie autos were signed by his mom mm-hmm. like it just were like they don't even dispute it like his mom has even said yeah i did that um so if i find those i'm gonna list them and i'm gonna list them and describe exactly what they were found in dumpster <laughs> Panini Immaculate, the entire run of Aiden O'Connell autos that aren't signed, including one of one shield. So how does, okay, well, let's talk two things. One, yeah. I want to talk about what does, what would Panini likely think about it? And two, like legally, right? And then two, how would you comp or price something like this? Well, it's a one of one shield. So uh, from a high end product. So, realistically, that card of a nobody, of an absolute nobody, let alone a starting quarterback in the NFL, even though it's a bad starting quarterback in the NFL, a rookie starting quarterback, that card signed would probably sell for three to five grand. I would say unsigned with the story with it, it's worth every bit of that, if not a little bit more. 
from a legal standpoint, you and I were talking about this when when this story came up. What's Panini going to do? What, what are they going to do? Oh, you stole those. Where? I, how, would you well, like to prove my, that I stole okay, those? So I didn't steal squat. I pulled them out of I'm not talking about you being, you know, in a deposition. I'm talking about <laughs> is it technically Panini's property and because it has not yet been signed um, and sealed? That's the question I have. So I, I believe, and I could be wrong here, and if any of our listeners are actual lawyers, I know actually we have two or three that are. Maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong here. But I do believe that there is legal precedent that once something hits a dumpster, it's not considered property any longer. Where'd you read that? I didn't. I just assumed that that's the case. That is not how that works. I assume that that's... So let me get this straight. If you put something in your trash can to throw away and I see it in the trash... Literally in the dumpster, not your trash can, in just a communal dumpster, and I take it out, you're telling me that you can call the police and have me arrested for theft. What if I didn't throw it away? It's still in a trash can in a public dumpster. All right. Now, let's go a step further. Okay. Somebody steals my kid's bike. Yep. It gets thrown in the dumpster. Okay. Somebody takes it out of the dumpster. Yep. Posts it on Facebook Marketplace. Yep. Is that bike my property? Yeah. It's still mine. If you have made a police report about it, yeah. So, okay. Aiden O'Connell is saying that he doesn't know what happened to these cards. They must have gotten pitched. Somehow. I can tell you what happened to those cards. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the 100% reality of what happened to those cards. What happened to those cards was Aiden O'Connell was in the middle of the season and went, I'm not signing that shit. Get rid of it. And his agent or whoever else did what he told him to do and got rid of it. That's exactly what happened. Nobody <laughs> stole those off. The, Panini is not shipping those signature not required to just some random apartment address in Las Vegas. Well, they might. That yeah, shit got shipped directly to his agent, 100%. And then his agent said, hey, those cards came in. Uh, we need to get some time to uh, get those signed, remember, because it's part of your M- uh-huh, NFLPA uh-huh. contract. And then Connell went, yeah, about that. Not doing that. Yeah. That that's that's what happened. Because if somebody's gonna steal those off of his porch, why the hell are they throwing them in a dumpster? That's a great question. Like, why would I steal potentially a hundred thousand dollars worth of cards and then throw them in a dumpster? Do you think that was shipped in a box with panini tape? I think it was shipped FedEx overnight signature required. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, somebody had to sign for this. Yes, yeah. to his agent. <laughs> Yeah, they weren't. Didn't ship it to his house and sit it on the porch. Yeah, Yeah, we got uh, you know, you know, three hundred grand worth of merchandise here. Once you sign it, so yeah, we'll uh, just leave it on the porch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like that's not what happened. Yeah. Uh, Has this ever happened before? Like where people stumbled onto a lot of these out in the wild. I'm sure that it has, but it just hasn't blown up on social media like this did. I have. (laughs) Where's this story going? I have a box of cards in here. Okay. From a former NFL player. Yeah. That may fit in that category. Yeah. We'll have to take He just gave them to you. <laughs> well, I think I'm just holding them for him because he was looking at, he wanted me to take a look at all of them. Yeah. But it is really interesting how those are shipped. Like, these these players all get, like, yeah. even, even their base stuff. Um, of course, this guy played, you know, in the early 2000s. But yeah, they, it was 20 know, years ago. Tops Chrome and everybody else uh-huh. and, and even some of the collegiate stuff. They just basically send you a brick full of stuff. Well, and I think player. we've both told this person, hey, if you just want to sign those now, there's probably a market <laughs> yeah. for this stuff if yeah. you wanted to. Yeah, we probably should do that. Have them sign a few and just get them authenticated and then uh, yeah. let them run with it. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's a, that was a pretty interesting story. Another thing, you know, I love to knock on panini prism uh for some of the products that they launched and failed because just kind of have a bias against them and and some (laughs) fairly so and some not so fairly so uh but they just announced yesterday that they're going to be doing a golf product partnering with live golf and my immediate reaction was this is a good idea yeah well for lots of reasons one panini desperately needs as many licensed products as they can get their hands on because they're losing all their actual revenue generation here very soon um 
But I agree. Live Golf, regardless of what you think about Live versus the PGA, regardless of what you think about the Saudi Investment Fund, regardless, Live Golf has most of the biggest names in the sport. Um, John Rahm just went over there. Like, there's lots of big names there. And the tournaments are popular if you're a golf fan and you're not a stick in the mud and you watch some Live Golf. It's really interesting. Uh, the team format is really interesting. Uh, the fact that they encourage fans to actually have fun at the events, like most of the live golf events resemble the Waste Management Open. Like it's a yeah. pretty rowdy environment uh, that fans enjoy, that the golfers seem to enjoy. It's a little bit of that Happy Gilmore vibe where it's like quiet on the tee and Happy Gilmore looks around like, hey, let's go, make some noise. Um, so I do think it's going to be a cool product. It sounds like it's going to be lots of uh, uh, match-used relics and actual player used items which is new for Panini glove, for a while glove cuts will be sweet oh yeah that. so I, I think it's going to be a really cool really cool product and it's going to be out later this year so uh it may be something worth grabbing so now it's going to depend on what the price point is if they try to price it like other prism products then this should be priced like what wwe and ufc right well i think it should be priced like wwe and ufc is now do you remember when ufc and wwe their first releases that shit was insane. Like yeah. the WWE ones were fifteen hundred bucks a box for hobby, and the um, UFC ones were close to that. I think this should be a three hundred dollar hobby box. Um, three hundred fifty dollar hobby box is where it should be priced. Now, will it be? Well, I doubt it. But there's that's where a it little should be. bit of like the pop culture. So golf, you know, obviously Tiger changed the entire landscape of just yep. the average person's view of professional golf. Period. Right. Stupid statement because that's so obvious. But I feel like in the last couple of years, you know, we had the Netflix documentary. We had the drama around Live and PGA. And the people that have gone over to Live are very polarizing characters, which is a great yeah. thing for collectors. John Rom, Bryson DeChambeau, Ian Poulter. Patrick Reed. Yeah, like there's a lot of big names, guys who have won multiple majors. Yeah. Uh, John Rom is, I think most people would agree, currently the best golfer in the world i love watching it like, uh, oh i don't have to reach back behind my ears for my swings yeah yeah <laughs> uh and then you have other notables that are just like have always been fan favorites you have mickelson you have sergio garcia has a massive yep. loyal fan base and they're all in spain but yeah and golf products have kind of sucked um in general you're looking at like unless you found some like autographed upper deck stuff. What was that like late nineties, early two thousands? You would have that. Leaf still has done relics. Um, I was really close to a deal that included a um, Nicholas and Palmer glove relic dual yep. thing, uh, but the layout on the card just wasn't there. What I like is we have a mainstream product. People know what to expect. They know what the parallels are. They know what the chases are. You have big names that people already follow. And they did announce another season of that show coming up. I do think that for both golf and NASCAR, these Netflix documentaries have oh, had yeah. a massive impact on, you know, uh, NASCAR following. <laughs> have you ever been to a NASCAR race? Uh, I've been to an Indy race. I've not been to a NASCAR race. So I, I have been to plenty of. So growing up in high school, my best friend in high school um, raced short track stock. Uh, there's a little, it's actually pretty well known in the race world. Uh, there's a track up where we grew up called Shady Bowl. And uh, so we worked on his car and every year and he raced. And so I went to that stuff. And if I had just been there, if tra if it wasn't Travis, if it wasn't my friend, if it wasn't something that I had helped with, I'd have been bored out of my skull. Like just watching <laughs> cars drive in a circle for three hours, hard pass. Yeah. Not I, enjoyable for I me. I enjoyed it. I, you know, from what I understand, it really matters what track you are at and where you're sitting. Um, there's exciting stuff close to like the pit crew watching that stuff happen. But yeah, you're watching people driving in a circle for yeah, the most it's part. It's boring. Have you ever seen a wreck at 200 miles an hour? Yeah, I don't want to. What? Let's watch somebody almost die. That's fun. Woo! You don't slow down for car accidents. I try my best not to. I want to punch the people who do. Like somebody else got in a wreck, and now I have to sit in traffic that's on uh, the other side of the freeway because a bunch of morons want to look at it. Just drive. I got places to be. You're so weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Um, have they announced any release date or anything, or just that they third quarter? Okay, third so, quarter. We don't have a so hard maybe date. by fourth quarter we'll see those. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a net positive uh, for the hobby and definitely um, for golf fans. I'll I'll buy some of that. Yeah, as long that's as a product I'll probably I rip retail. Um, see, I I would be shocked if they make it retail. Really, I'd be shocked if they make a retail in the first run of it. I feel like that stuff's going to be in blaster boxes at thirty five ninety nine. It it may be. But I, I don't think they'll sell much. Yeah. How, but where well, think about the pl- the outlets that sell retail sports cards? Yeah. What's the biggest one? What do you mean? What product? What, well, no. What what retailer is the biggest retailer for retail distribution of cards? I mean, I would assume that Walmart. Is yeah, the Walmart by by a lot. MJ yeah. Holdings. So you get Walmart and. Um, Meyer, yeah, the same. Target's a different one, right? Yeah, Target is Excel. Yeah. Um, but MJ Holdings is the biggest retail distributor in there who supplies Walmart. We've both seen most of the people shop in the card aisle at Walmart. How many of you think are big golf fans? Well, I think they're going to have to market it. They're going to have to market to golf fans that now there is a collector's product. I think you'll see it at Golf Galaxy. I think you'll see it at Dick's Sporting Goods. I think if they do retail, that's where you're going to huh. see that retail distributed to. Well, mark these words down because this is another one of those small, relevant things where I might get to prove Gary wrong <laughs> that's true. later this year. 100%. Um, all right, let's keep it moving. The one-of-one one Black Shimmer Wimbenyama has been pulled. I'm proud of you. You got that name right. First crack. Good for you, man. It's a lot of syllables for you. <laughs> if you guys could see the look I'm getting right now. It's pretty great. Yeah, no, describe it. It's great content. Go ahead. No, I mean it's just it's a death glare with just oh, a, I'm not with just a hint of a really annoyed smile that yeah. I made that joke. He's he's right about that. He's <laughs> completely right. So for all of those that were wanting to chase that color match one on one, it's gone. Well, one of them is the the finite still hasn't been pulled. Sure. This was the first off the line shimmer. What was hilarious to me is uh, Sports Collectors Daily, uh, Sports Collector Digest um, had the story on this. And the cap. So this was pulled by a breaker in China, and uh, the caption leading up to it on Sports Collector Digest was, "If you've ever wondered what a massive pull sounds like when it's pulled by a breaker in China, here you go. <laughs> and oh here's the goodness. video of it. Is literally what it said. I was like, oh wow, wow, that was aggressive. Yeah, that's that's going hard in the paint. But that's, I mean, that card's gonna fetch." A pretty oh, penny. it's I can't imagine it sells for less than 150 to 200 grand. Yikes! I can't imagine it sells for less. the The finite will sell for more. Um, and Prism's a weird product in that the non-auto one of ones outsell the auto one of ones mostly because Prism autos are stickers. There's no on card. What? Why? Why is there a commitment to that? Like, why hasn't that changed? They're sticker, just trying sticker, to push people it's towards auto. It's sticker auto. If if it was on card, it would outsell. So, but auto. I mean, this has to be something that's obvious to Panini. Is it just well, if they want that, that's what NT and you know, yeah, they don't care. And all that is for. If you, if anybody, and I, I, I've said this a thousand times, I'll say it a thousand times more. If any of you in the hobby think that Panini gives any shits whatsoever, what you your think, language is offensive today. That's three of them. Three S bombs in it's one just episode. An S bomb. I know, but if you think that Panini cares at all what your opinion on their products is, you're wrong. Yeah. They they don't care. They know you're gonna buy it, whether you complain about it or not. And they don't care. Well, but what I'm saying is they I think their responsibility No, we have we have that product. If you're looking for on card, high end, we have that. Yeah, it's flawless. Yeah. So just be okay. It's immaculate. That you know, this ten thousand dollar card. If it wasn't an auto, you know, would be eleven thousand. <laughs> yeah, it, it was because it's stickers. That's why I have seen a lot of people debating this though on socials. Why does the autograph bring down the value? I understand that it's a sticker, but how could adding an autograph that's authentic onto that card do anything but boost the value of it? Collector perception and market. But why is SGC, who literally anyone with even people who are PSA fanboys will admit grades stricter and more consistently worth less than PSA. Market perception. 
The market has decided that they like PSA better. More people are invested in PSA, and therefore PSA will retain that market share for a long, long time. Yeah, even though they're more inconsistent, even, they do a worse job, they have less standards. No, I got it. But even with the, that example, it would be like, it's like you're not, it's, it's the same card. It's the exact same card printed the exact same way. That's had something added to it. With a sticker. Yeah, with a sticker. Yes. But that sticker has an autograph. How does that depreciate the value of the card? It just does. I don't I don't know why. I don't have a good answer as to why. It just does with Prism. And Prism's one of the only yeah. products that that's like. Mm-hmm. But it really is. Like it just is. I have one argument that makes sense for it. Okay? Because it's like a chromium card, because it's high gloss, I think it's aesthetically less attractive with a sticker auto on it. That's oh, 100%. The only, that's the only semi-logical reason. Why do you think Bowman only does on-card autos? Because they're not idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, are you ready to jump into some prospecting here? I'm always ready to jump right. into prospecting. So if you have not been following along, we would encourage you, the last few episodes, we've been working through our top 100 uh, picks for uh, 2024. 2024 baseball season is coming up. It is right around the corner. And um, we're on, what are we on? 70? We are on 70 through 61. 70 through 61. Um, what we've been doing is picking out just a few of these from each 10, each set of 10 that we want to highlight um, and just kind of walking through what we like to see about them. Um, so we're going to continue that again. If you haven't been able to catch up, go back the last few all of these lists are in the second half of our episodes. Yep. So if you don't want to listen to, you know, 50 minutes, that last 20 or 30 minutes is probably just covering this. Um, and then we'll get started. I'm excited to see some familiar names on this one and a couple people that uh, most excited about. You and I typically break down the two or three we want to talk about. We didn't do that, but are you starting with number 70? Yeah, I'll start with 70, okay. and we can just kind of work our way through. Our front end of the episode wasn't super long this week. I'm so. not giving you 10 of these. Well, not so 10, get over but it. if we get six instead of five, five it'll be I'll fine. give you five. I'll give you <laughs> we five. always do five. I'll give you six. Um, <laughs> so coming in at number 70, and, and you're going to see two or three guys from this organization uh, in this little tranche of the – do you like that use of the word tranche? Is I that was different from, from trench? Yes. Yes, very much so. It's a tranche from France. One is T-R-A-N-C-H-E. What was the word you kept using a couple weeks ago that started with a D? A drug, drag, drage. I don't know what's happening right now. (laughs) I'm very confused. You picked a word that nobody uses on purpose. So people would ask you, why did you say that? I don't remember. It's the right word to use. (laughs) I don't remember. Anyway, tranche. Um, Here we have a tranche. So, so, uh, Sal Stewart. For the Cincinnati Reds, third base prospect. Um, His cards are in 2022 Bowman draft, and he was uh, one of the last picks in the first round. He was a compensatory selection, competitive balance uh, round selection for the Reds. There was a lot of questions from him coming out of high school as to athletically whether he could stick at third base because as a righty hitter that's power-based, teams aren't usually going to pay draft guys that are stuck as first baseman, big money. Like, is is he going to be a third-round pick or a first-round pick is what it boiled down to. And the Reds saw enough there to make them think he could stick at third, so they took him in the in the first round, and it's turned out to be a really good choice for them. Uh, two levels last year, slash 275, 396. The 396 is what really sticks out because he's a really disciplined hitter. And Jason has a couple of comments on that that I think are very uh, enlightening that he'll share in a second. But he really is a disciplined hitter. The bat-to-ball skills um, are, I think, even better than what people thought. And while he doesn't have massive raw power, he's not a 70-grade raw power guy, he gets to all of his power in-game because of the plate discipline that he has. Uh, he doesn't chase a lot. I think the swing could be tweaked a little bit It's it's a to get a little bit more lift. He only hit 12 home runs last year, but it wasn't because of EVs. It's just because his bat-to-ball is so direct that there's not a lot of lift in it. Like that, that right hand could get a little more palm up as he's coming through the zone, and 
all of a sudden that's 22 to 25 home runs instead of 12 to 15. Um, I've got him as a 65 future power guy, which puts him squarely in that 20 to 30 jacks a year range. Now, the thing with Stewart is if you're a Reds fan, I wouldn't get too excited only because the system is so clogged in the infield. I think that as soon as this year at the trade deadline, if the Reds are in contention, Stewart could headline a package to bring an arm in. Uh, for the Reds, I think that his he is so blocked in the system, moving upwards with Noelle Marte and Ellie being we're not sure whether he's going to stick it short or be at third. That he could be a trade ship, but there's really a lot to like about Sal Stewart uh, going forward. Yeah, um, just a couple of notes there. I, I agree with everything you were saying about the plate discipline with the swing. He definitely has a lot of power. I think you can see that he is actively working specifically on the plate discipline. Yeah. If you watch a few at-bats, it's almost like he's disappointed if he gets ahead in the count. He wants, <laughs> he wants to swing. He wants to swing. And so he, you can see his eyes, his bodies. He, I mean, if I, I'm splitting hairs here because he he's going to be a very good player. But I do see him sometimes have a tendency to get his body out in front, even on pitches he waits on. When you see people who have really – perfected plate discipline they barely flinch yeah sal stewart you can just see in his eyes he's like man if they'd have given me that four inches more inside the zone i want (laughs) so he wants to hit the ball but he ran you know watching a lot of the highlight films he ran a lot of pitch a lot of uh at bats deep into the count and we talk about this that's a really valuable tool because with pitchers on pitch counts anymore yeah if you can if you can get a pitcher to waste 10 to 12 bullets on your ab yeah well that's a half an inning that he's not going to pitch later in the game yeah i would agree with that um on his swing the only thing i would say is he he definitely has some tells i do think pitchers will take advantage of that if they see him continually out in front on certain pitches that he holds off on that's something that a lot of people don't realize just because somebody doesn't swing on it doesn't mean that the pitcher doesn't realize what their body language in their swing right there they're biting you can bite on a pitch that you didn't swing at. Yeah. And they're going to say, all right, let me move that just a little bit inside the zone. Or let me start that in and let it slide out. Or let me see if I can catch that with off speed. Yep. So I think he'll have to work through that. But at the end of the day, he's making the right choice most of the time on whether to swing or not. If he can dial that back in and get a little more poised with the swing, which this list, we have some really poised discipline swings this week. Um, I think his ceiling is pretty high on the on the power numbers yeah so. and I, it, defensively i think he can stick it third he's not going to win gold gloves he's getting he's going to be brought up for his bat I yeah mean, he, he's not going to win gold gloves but he's not going to be relegated to a dh first base he's not going to hurt you in the field he's just not going to be a huge drs guy okay um he is in 2022 bowman draft if you haven't listened the very first card that gary got in our 5k challenge where we're starting with a hundred dollars and basically buying and selling our way up to the highest value possible by the end of 2024. That was one of the first cards he got was a Bowman Chrome first black. Was it an auto also? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. um, PSA out 10. there, yep. it, you know, that card was pretty big, but there are several out there that are, are affordable still. I am consistently moving, you know, and when I set up his tables, his Bowman Chrome first of, you know, what five to, you can get five bucks out of that. And I had an auto of his that, I mean, he's still very affordable. Yeah, yeah, um, very much so. Um, okay, next one I was not going to hit on unless you really wanted to give this one an overview and then you can go for it. Um, No, it's, I mean, no, it's fine. Next. All right, next one I'm excited about. I love this kid last year, and I love him this year. Josue <laughs> uh, de Paula with the Dodgers. Um, I mean, I, every time I watch him swing, I'm so, I so Impressed, enjoy yeah. it. Um. His hands are so quick. His swing can be as compact as it needs to be. You know who else? Now, I'm not comparing trajectory, anything like that. Yeah. I watched somewhere, if he likes a pitch, his hands move in close to his body so he can turn through that. It's almost like he doesn't even need to finish his follow-through. You know who else did that? Somebody that was just jacking balls in the San Francisco Bay. Barry Bonds' oh, yeah. hands were very similar in that approach. If you get a chance to see when he when he has a pitch he likes, all right, so we're not talking about your typical bat. If he has one he knows he's all over, there's some similarities with what's happening with his hands there. The big thing that I, I love is he just has this raw power. 
His swing is so dialed in. His contact is very pure. You watch enough prospecting videos, you can hear a difference with contact. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, and I like one of the things I like about his swing is that he's not trying to do crazy things in the load with his lower body in order to generate that bat speed. Um, he has a leg lift. It's not a big kick. He's not bringing that knee way up. You know, some guys, you see these, some of these younger guys, um, especially coming out of high school, they were just so much better athletically that they almost are bringing their knee to their chest. Yeah. Like, it's just this huge yeah. leg kick to generate power. He's just kind of tilting back into his back half, really gets a nice coil around it. He stays in the back half. Yes. Um, and like you said, when that's, when he gets that A swing off, you see the potential for plus power. Yeah. Um, right now, it's not there. Right, right now, he's, he's below average from a power standpoint. But... I mean, he's 6'2", 175, 180. So there's a lot of like potential there. I think the note that I had in his write-up here at number 68 was that you know there's a world where DePaul is a 300 hitter with 30 home run power. Uh, the, I, I think he's going to be a very fast riser this year. The one thing that hurts him is the system he plays in. Yeah. They are notorious for just keeping guys down. Yeah. Uh, but, man, the field of hit is spectacular. I think I've got a 70 future grade on the yeah. on the field of hit for, for this kid. little interesting note about him, uh, the athletic uh, family tree, uh, he's cousins with Stephon Marbury, former, oh, former All-NBA, uh, All-Star uh, back in the 2000s. More so. importantly, owner of Stephen Barry's. Do you remember that store back I, in the day? I do. They had like license. The cheapest clothes you could buy. You could buy get like anywhere. a Harvard crew neck for everything was five bucks. Yes, you could. You could outfit your entire closet for a hundred bucks. Now you'd have to do that every four months because this shit would fall apart. Oh yeah. Hey, there's four of them. Yeah. You are a little. Are spiky. you just keeping track today? Well, no. It's just you got a Care Bear. Listen. All right. Gary's wearing a Care Bear <laughs> T-shirt. That says, "Careful, I'm grumpy." <laughs> And then it's just, it's the whole package, buddy. I love you. Um, all right. But yeah, DePaula, I'm huge on him. I just sold one of his Bowman Chrome first lava refractors for 30 bucks raw. Um, so he's still affordable, but people know about him. So I would say don't overpay on the front end. I, I think he, you don't want to use the word safe with prospecting, but. Not at 18 years old. No, he's, he's somebody that I think you keep an eye on. I don't think he's going to get a lot cheaper than he is now, barring no. And if, and if like he that. and if he makes a two level jump this year, his stuff's in a double. Yeah. Um. So I I'm big on him. Up next, twenty twenty three baseball. Twenty three. Uh, up next, another Dodger, Andy Pajes. 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 Um. So, I hear people say Pages, and I want to punch them. <laughs> last year he had a season ending injury. Um. So he's recovering from labrum surgery, but I tell you what, when I watched um I love through this his swing. So one thing that really stood out to me is how poised he is in his swing, how calm he is in a bat. Go watch Sal Stewart for a couple minutes taking BP and then watch Andy swing because you see Sal is developing and working, and you can tell he's working on it. Yeah. Andy is just getting reps is what it yeah. looks like. Yep. Um, 18-year-old versus 23-year-old. 19-year-old yep. versus 23-year-old. So I uh, I really loved his swing. Um, I loved how it wasn't fancy, but there's plenty of power there when there needed to be. Um, I'm big on this guy. I am too. I have been for two years. Uh before a lot of people, he was on a lot of people's radar that aren't deep prospecting people. Like you said, the thing about Pajes that I really like from a prospect standpoint is that he isn't swinging for the fences to generate power. Uh, he doesn't have, again, another guy that doesn't have 70 or 80 grade raw power but a guy who's 60-grade raw power and 60-grade game power. Like, mm -hmm. he gets to his power. And when he hits one, they are majestic. Yeah. They are not line drives. His swing is geared. He had, like, a 68% fly ball rate uh, as a hitter, which is a big fly ball rate. Like, when he hits a shot, they're moonshots. They're about as high as they are long. Mm -hmm. um, and it's fun to watch. 
He should start the year in AAA, um, should be fully recovered from that labor surgery. He got off to a really hot start last year before he went down in May. One of the things uh, about Pajes that some people won't like, I tend to like, is he is very close to being what is considered a true three-outcome player. And if you're not sure what a true three-outcome player is, it's this. The assumption is that batters are in control of three things at the plate either hitting a home run, taking a walk, or striking out. Kyle Schwarber is the poster boy of a true three-outcome player. He's either going to hit a home run, or he's going to walk, or he's going to strike out. And that's why he hits 200 with 50 jacks and is still a three-and-a-half war player, because he still gets on base. Mm -hmm. Um, Pajes is a lot like that. I don't think he's quite as extreme as Schwarber is, but he's not going to hit a lot of singles. He's going to hit doubles. He's going to hit home runs. Uh, he's going to steal more bags than you think. It takes him a minute to get moving, but once he gets to top speed, he's pretty quick, which mm-hmm. is going to make him play really well in left field. And in a pinch, I think he could play center in spots. Uh, I think there's a decent chance that he gets called up at some point this year, but he's definitely going to be in the Dodgers' plans for 2025 if they don't trade him. Yep. Agree there. And he's, he's in 2020 Bowman Chrome. Yep, 2020. Um, okay. <coughs> Take a look at the next couple here. Tell me if one of these you want to jump on. I would love to talk about louder. So good. I thought you were going to talk about the other one. I was like, "There's no." Nah, Troy's Troy sixty six. So we won't talk about him, but we'll give you the name. Tommy Troy, Arizona Diamondbacks, comes in at sixty six. Yeah. All right, I'll let you jump in here. Red louder. Sixty five is yet another red. Um, the third one in this little group of ten. Uh, Rhett louder was the uh, first round pick for the Reds this year uh, out of Wake Forest in twenty twenty three. So. It was pretty consensus that Louder was the second best pitcher in the draft behind mm-hmm. Paul Skeens. But when they faced each other in the College World Series, Louder went toe to toe with him in an epic game. Now, the difference between Louder and Skeens is Skeens has a fastball that he will pump by people. Like, it's a comfortable 100 mile an hour fastball that he'll be throwing at 100 in the seventh inning and in the second inning. Mm-hmm. And he'll pump it past people, and he'll spot it. Louder is not that guy. No, Louder has a lot of Aaron Nola in him, is what I see. Um, the fastball isn't gonna like blow people away, but it's good enough. He generates a lot of ground balls with it. He isn't gonna strike a lot of guys out with it. But oh my God, the changeup and slider are filthy. And the best part about him is from a command standpoint, I've got him a 60 current, 65 future. I could see a world where he's a 70 future. A little bit of Greg Maddox, yeah. like he can just paint it, man. He can paint it and make people look silly with it. And that changeup is real, real filthy. Yeah, I had um, I went and watched a lot of that College World Series. Just yeah. watched several of the at-bats. Um, the, just the two words that I wrote down was just a commanding presence. No, he's... You know, he's not throwing at 100 miles an hour. No, he's 692. He throws it with a level of confidence that he knows if he hits that spot, they're in trouble. Well, yeah. And, and there's something to be said for pitchers that just know they can put it where they want to put yeah. it. And that counts for a lot. Like, you can throw 100, but if you can't throw it for a strike, does it matter? He has confidence like somebody that's been in development leagues for a couple of years already. Yeah, and if you watch, it's really interesting. So his pitch grips, this is probably a little more weedy than a lot of people want to hear. So I won't go too deep into it. Yes, you will. But if you look at the way he grips his changeup, and the way he grips his slider, it is so interesting. <laughs> like, they're almost split-finger setups for both of those mm-hmm. pitches. And the changeup is real wonky. Like, it's a, it's deep in the palm, all three middle fingers super spread. Mm-hmm. Um, but the arm speed is consistent. That's one of the nice things about a pitcher with a nasty changeup that doesn't throw crazy heat it's a lot easier to maintain your arm speed throwing that changeup and make it look just like the fastball arm speed, which for a hitter, that's what they're looking at first. So immediately, and then it looks the same until that last 15, 20 feet and then just dies. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, Rhett Louder in a heartbeat. I don't think that Louder spends very much time in the minors at all. I, don't I think he's up by June yep. and a part of the Reds rotation. They're not going to waste bullets from that kid. Yeah. They don't need to. I'm excited to watch him. 
I yeah. Think we'll be good. Yeah, I agree. Um, the next one, I just had one thing to say about. Um, I don't know if you want to. Number sixty-four, yeah. Drew Thorpe. Drew Thorpe. Uh, what I have here is if you're hitting and you're zero and two, I hope you're you have, toast. I hope you have a nine iron to catch that change up out yeah. of the dirt. It, yeah. It falls off. Like it's bouncing in front of the plate, and guys are like, "Did Swinging. I catch it?" Well, you notice that <laughs> I don't use a lot of all caps in my write-ups, and the word "devastating" yeah. is in all caps uh, yeah. there when you're talking about his changeup. It, the again, another guy who's fastball is does not play up that much. I mean, he sits ninety-two, ninety-three, but holy God, the changeup just and the cutter's nasty too. Yeah. Like he's got a lot of tools. The cutter uh, he just doesn't have a lot of faith in. Mm-hmm. Like that's the issue. Uh, he's in 2022 Bowman draft. All right, Gary. Here's what I'm gonna do, just because I love you. Okay. I'm gonna let us do a briefer overview, but we're gonna hit the rest of these. I like it. Okay. I like it. Let's go. Um. So up up next we have Carson Wisenhunt. Uh, Wisenhunt. 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 Giants. First time. Giants. Pitcher. So um, just real brief, what I have, what what I was watching is he um. He has really good off-speed stuff, but he gets people to chase. He will people you will find people chasing his pitches. They really, um, he finds a way to present the pitching in a way where it's okay. I'm going to get a piece of this, and guys are just a lot of swinging K's, and they're not very close. Um, that's been impressive for me. Yeah, and so he was, and I'm I'm missing words there. He was not the last pick in the 2022 draft. He was the last pick in the second round of the 2022 draft uh, out of East Carolina. Uh, he never pitched there. He was suspended for PEDs for that entire season. Uh, but six three two ten. Right now, the fastball I've got graded at 55. Uh, it sits 92 to 94 right now, but it's got good movement there's a lot of thought that he can add a couple ticks. If he can add a couple ticks to that and get into that 94 to 96 range, all of a sudden he's a top 30, top 40 prospect. Yeah. No licensed cards yet Yep, on him, but he's just one to keep an eye out for. Had um, a 1.07 whip across three levels last year. That's nasty. Getting across three levels last year is impressive. Yeah. yeah. All right. Up next. Uh, this is a guy I actually wanted to talk yeah, about. Talk this about. is really fun. I'll let you jump in. I don't have a lot to add to this other than – this, you know, I think this is going to be a fun player to watch for a while. A lot of deep shots are going to happen with this guy. Xavier Isaac comes in at number 62 on our list. Um, first round pick by Tampa in 2022, and it was a shocking pick. People, He wasn't on that many people's radars, and the people whose radars he was on could not believe they were putting that kind of uh, draft capital into a guy who is definitely no more than a first baseman. Uh, he's a true first base DH prospect. And those guys, the bat has to carry. The thing about Isaac is the bat is going to carry. My um, goodness, does it carry? He's six four, two forty, and it's not a sloppy two forty. He's not a he's not a fat dude. He is just a built. You don't see too many guys that are six four that have that fire hydrant type build. He does. He's like a six foot four Jose Altuve. Like that's mm-hmm. how he's built. Yeah. Um, his ninetieth percentile exit velo as it. 18 and 19 year old was 108 he was touching 113 114 on his really well hit balls with wood uh that's 40 home run power that is plus he's a teenager people yeah so many of these swings that we talk about the big thing we're saying is they'll grow into x He's already we there. Well, he's there, but he's going to get stronger. Yeah. <laughs> he's only yeah. 18. Uh, he's, he's truly a first base prospect. Now, what's great about this, that what was really exciting, a lot of times these guys that are big, strong guys with these big swings, they chase a lot and they strike out a lot. Um, his strikeout rates were a little higher than what I'd like to see, but what makes me think that those aren't real is that he walked at a 15% clip, and he only chased at 22%. Now, one of the things that's really important to keep in mind when you're judging K-rate with guys in the lower levels is you want to look at the whole picture. So you want to look at the walk rate, and you really want to look at the chase rate. And here's why. Umpires at low A and high A are trash. They're trash. They're They're about as good as the average high school umpire. That's just the reality. And you can talk to people I know who are umpires at the higher level, and they'll tell you the same thing. So a guy who's a patient hitter is going to take more strikeouts at those levels because he's going to spit on pitches 
that get called strikes mm-hmm. that shouldn't have been called strikes. So when you see a guy like Xavier Isaac walking at a 15% clip and only chasing at a 22% clip, but that has a 27% strikeout rate, realistically, that's probably more like a 20% strikeout sure. rate. And that, all of a sudden, a 20% strikeout rate, a 15% walk rate, and you're only chasing 22%, that's a monster prospect. He slashed 285, 395, 521 as a 19-year-old across two levels. Uh, I think he probably reaches AAA by the end of the year. The bat is just that, that good. Uh, the comparison I gave to you, and not because he's a big guy, but because of the, the swing. Yes, it's a big swing, but it's not a violent swing. No. It's smooth. It's effortless. The other guy that had this was Prince Fielder that I was thinking of. Yeah. Just if if it's up in the zone and he gets the barrel on it, it's gone. Yeah. There's really not much else to say about it. Yeah. Um, I think he really does have that type of power. I think he's somebody to watch. I think he's somebody I'll probably be uh, buying. So 2023 Bowman, um, Xavier Isaac. Now, he can't be that cheap, but he's, uh, he's only not, 19. He's so. not crazy cheap, uh, but it it's still a worthwhile buy right now. It's, yeah. it's not like his stuff is peaked. Um, okay. This next one and last one. You can't believe I'm letting you do all these. I'm so excited. Uh, So we we have Kyle Harrison, a pitcher with the Giants. And um, so last year, you know, we were he was dealing with some issues, struggling a little bit. They bring him up. He goes in against the Reds and puts 11 K's up in seven innings, not even a full seven. Um, What I want to point out before Gary jumps in on this one is his release now i think there'll be some people will adapt to it they'll figure some things out because he's a new arm but that ball stays hidden for such a long period of time invisible and by the time it's released these guys were looking silly in this game last year now he's what what, how many games did he get two two yeah so it's not like he had a lot of reps right he he was on but to come out on your major league debut and put 11 k's on the board and make a good hitting ball team like the reds look silly yeah um it was very impressive. It yeah. was very impressive. So Harrison's just now 21. He was a high school arm drafted in the 2020 draft in the third round. He had already committed to US, uh, UCLA, but um, the Giants gave him $2.5 million way over slot uh, to get him to to skip that. And the fastball is nasty. Um, he climbed really fast, and then last year he got to AAA – and something happened. I'm not sure what, but the control, the command just disappeared. He went from being a three-walk-a-game guy to a seven, seven-and-a-half-walk-a-game guy. Um, his breaking ball, the the slider shape changed dramatically. It lost about three inches of horizontal break. Like It was just weird. Something mentally happened there. Um and it was a real struggle, and he went from being a consensus top 15 prospect as a lefty, power lefty, uh, with a pretty good changeup and pretty good slider to being a guy who fell way down lists. And a lot of guys still have him in the top 40. I couldn't put him there, uh, only because when you see a 12, 13, 14-game sample of severe command issues, the, you don't want to use the Y word, but it really starts to get into your thought process that the yips might be a thing yeah um and the giants didn't care and they brought him up at the end of the season and oh my god he went off one one five whip the walk rate dropped dramatically to about one and a half which is where it was one and a half two which Mm -hmm. is where it was before it got weird um and he was fantastic he went one and one but i think he only gave up his era was like 2.6 yep uh the slider can be a plus-plus pitch if it gets that horizontal movement to go with the vertical. It's still a two-plane, but it's not as drastic of yeah. a two-plane. It was a slider that was borderline a sweeper. It stayed a slider because of the velocity, and that's a nasty hard pitch to hit. A true sweeper, if you get a good read on it coming out of the hand, it's easy to spit on. A slider that has sweeper movement with that velocity, it's a lot harder to spit on, and you're going to get guys to chase with it. Um, the command looked back to to being a plus situation. I went ahead and graded it average. If you'd have currently 50, 60 future, if you'd have asked me this in August of last year, I'd have put 35 on the command. Like, it was that bad. So if he can 
consistently come out this year for the Giants as a three number three, number four starter and prove that what we saw once he got called up last year wasn't a fluke, that he's conquered those command demons. Um, he can be a frontline starter in, in the league. He can be a one or two uh, if that command stays solid. So uh, a very exciting prospect um, that has a plus plus fastball and potential plus secondaries is as a lefty, a pretty devastating pitcher. Yeah. 23 Bowman. Um, I'd keep an eye on him too. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could say that for all of these, keep an eye on them. That's why we're talking. Yeah, that's why about we're it. talking about it. Uh, uh, do, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's it. You're done prospecting. No, that's, I was, I was done prospecting. Okay, good. Yeah. Do we gave your update for, we're, we're both a little stalled. Getting, that's where you're yeah. headed to. Okay. So, um, 5K update for those of you that have been following along. Uh, we started out with this and uh, 100 bucks, And here we are. We knew that once we get up a little bit in value, you have to take a little more time to move stuff. I'm still sitting on my 2013 uh, Topps Chrome Purple Refractor Nolan Arenado PSA 10. Um, I did get my first nibble yesterday. Um, they're not off by a whole lot for me to make some money on that and move to the next one. However... I do think the closer we get to the start of season, you know, the easier it will be for me to get close to what I'm wanting for that. So, um, what about you? I haven't heard you say anything. I'm in the same same boat. The TJ Watt, uh, I've had it in my case for one show last week and had a few people pull it out, just didn't get anywhere on it, but it wasn't a huge show. This weekend, I've got two bigger shows that I'll be at. Both of them are 50 to 60 table shows. Yeah. So, we'll keep our fingers crossed that something happens there. And I'm in the same boat. I have a sticker on it that is at 90% of the only comp. It's and a little tough to comp that one because yeah, it's so low there's, pop. Yeah, right? it's, too, it's a pop too. The yeah. other one sold for 700 bucks. Yeah. Um, I think I have it 625 on my table, mm -hmm. but I would take a reasonable offer on it so we can keep moving. We were talking about this before the episode. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people fall prey to is trying to squeeze every penny out of everything. Mm, and yeah, if you're able to buy something right and you can make a profit on it, you don't have to make all the profit on it. Move it so you've got cash for the next thing. And you learn on that card. Yeah. So, you know, with this one, you know, Nolan Arenado is different from me throwing up a Jordan Metal Universe PSA yeah. 9. But this is a color match 10. Arenado has a faithful following. Yep. I will sell this. I will make money on it. It's just a question of, am I really willing to sit on this for a month when I could move it with a you know, 20 or 25% margin now uh -huh. rather than 35, you know, 40. So, um, which I don't think I'm going to be at 35, 40, but you get the idea. Um, all right. We will keep you updated on that. Um, exciting new offerings for content coming soon. Oh, one thing uh, I wanted to highlight, you know, we always talk about local central Ohio shows. However, Gary and I will actually be doing a larger show in Pennsylvania in May. May 4th and 5th. Yep. Um, what's the name of that show again? Washington, PA. Washington, PA. It, so, it's at the Crown Center, old Crown Center Mall. I just did, they do it a few times a year. I just did the one in February. Uh, I was talking to the show organizer there just on Saturday of the show. Uh, there were over 10,000 attendees. Mm -hmm. uh, Sunday was probably 30% of that, but 13,000 attendees on a two-day show. Yeah. Uh, it was it was bonkers. It was yeah. a great, great yeah. show. Yep. All right. Uh, this has been the Ball Card Show, the sports podcast. For the sports collector. Bye now. Peace.